Welcome to the Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This week's theme is sailing, and Alan and I will be curating a mixtape focused on the bliss of hitting the open seas. That's right. We are back, and we are not in the water this week. We are on the water, and I think we are going to have quite the mixtape when finished. How are you, Dave? I'm doing well. How about you? It's pretty hot this week. Very hot. I, we have a, a heat index well over 100 degrees right now. I so. won't lie. The thought of actually being on a sailboat in you know the ocean with that breeze is quite appealing at this point. Yeah, yes, I, I, I think it would, it would feel marvelous. It's a <laughs> right perfect episode. Now. now, we do want to note that um, this, this is sailing. This isn't yacht rock, which... You know, Yacht Rock is all of a sudden the last few years kind of become a thing. Right. It, it's it's relatively new. The genre, well, the music has existed right. for about 30, 40 years, but the genre itself, I think it was coined in 2015 uh, by Channel 101. It was a series of videos that, that inspired it. Um, yeah, we are, we are not... Uh, not focusing on Yacht Rock uh, music specifically, so don't... I mean, do we, I don't know what Dave has on this list. I mean, there may but, be some Yacht Rock artists. Yes. But it's not necessarily a Yacht Rock playlist. Right. My, my wife just loves Yacht Rock. She listens on the um, the XM Radio Yacht Rock channel, which is always in the summer, and you can get it on the app all year round. Right. Do you think any of our audience needs an explanation? I don't no, know. No, I, I think they could. I mean, it's just okay. it's it's uh, easy listening from the late 70s, pretty much, mid to late 70s, yeah. easy listening. Yeah. And, and Michael McDonald <laughs> is the patron saint of Yacht Rock, and yeah. I'm not kidding. No, I, about every three, three and a half songs has to feature Michael McDonald. Because Michael McDonald, of course, you know, he was solo, but he was with the Doobie Brothers, and he was with Steely, you know, backing vocals for Steely Dan, and he had like a million <laughs> duets and backup for Christopher Cross, and so, you know, he was, I think, everywhere in the late 70s, easy listening, and so he is always on Yacht Rock Radio. But right. he has a great voice. Yep. No, it's a, you know, it's a really weird genre, too, because... The rules are not fixed on, on what is Yacht Rock, but the fans, I, it's one of those genres where they say you know it when you when you hear it. I, I, I don't know. Not all easy listening of, not all 70s soft rock qualifies, apparently, and anything after 1984 is probably too late. So we might do a Yacht Rock mixtape someday, yeah. but... This is not that mixtape. I so. like it selfishly because now I, I don't. I like a lot of the music that's on there, but as a big Steely Dan fan, exactly. And I could never get my wife to listen to Steely Dan in the car. And now that it's in yacht, on Yacht Rock, she, you know, I'm not. I don't know if she likes it or not. I think a few of the songs she actually likes, but you know, she's kind of forced to listen to Steely Dan if she wants to continue to listen to the station she likes. So well, something good came out of it. Yes, yeah. yes, it did. Yeah, Steely Dan, Hall and Oates, Toto, Logan to Messina. And of course, the yeah, Doobie, Toto, Doobie oh Brothers. Toto's yeah. on there all the time. Um, not this playlist, but um, yeah, we, we just want to give a shout out to those fans who do enjoy the genre. And as I said, maybe someday in the future. But uh, this one, this mixtape is just on the theme of sailing. And I'm, I'm really curious what you came up with. I, I was going to have some like introduction where I'd say, can we trim the sails and do that? But I don't know anything about sailing, so I can't, <laughs> I can't even use that metaphor as a segue. So let's just, uh, let's get on the boat, I guess, and get started. All right. What, uh, what criteria did you use to determine your 10 songs this week? All right. Well, my songs have to very specifically uh, refer in some way to either a sailor or a boat. Um, now, not uh, I was a little loose because they don't have to be sailboats specifically, but they have to be boats uh, on the water 
and or about sailors and that that was as that was that was as far as I I I really went. I didn't restrict myself too far otherwise. Yeah, I did the same. It has to be about either a sailor or it has to be on a boat on a body of water, a boat on a body of water. Um, I also I chose songs that you know if you hear it literally, it's about a sailor, it's about a boat, but we all know that it's really a metaphor. I still counted that even if it was a metaphor for something else. A lot of the songs I chose were, were metaphors. Um, some of mine were, most of those fall into the alternates list. Um, mine, are, mine are pretty uh, pretty literal um, for the most part, but my alternates, if I, if I get there, I have some... <laughs> I have some unorthodox picks, so. Of course, I read too much into anything, so you're, oh, you're, you're what not you alone. see as metaphor, it's literal, I might see as metaphor. That, that's so. true as well, yes. We'll have to figure that out. I think it's your uh, your turn to go first. My turn to go first. We're yep. getting right to it this week. And All I'll right. tell you what, we're, before you begin, I know we're going to have uh, some, you know, we always do, we have matches, but it'll be interesting to see because I put some on the alternates list just in case you didn't pick certain songs, and I also... Well, when we get to it, I'll explain it. But there's a certain artist, and I knew I know what you pick, and I probably would have picked the same thing. But I picked a different song because I love it so much, and I wanted to talk about it, even though I know it'll lose the face off. Okay, I, oh, I'm, I'm confident I know which artist we're talking okay. about. But the one that has about t- two dozen sailor songs. Yes, uh, yeah. yes, yeah. And, and, uh an entire CD from his box set. Right, yes, exactly. Yes. All right, my first song this week is by Billy Joel. I chose the Down Easter Alexa. And that's our first match. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, at its core, uh, it's really just a folk song about the plight of Long Island fishermen in the 80s and 90s. Um, the song is sung in the persona of an impoverished fisherman of Long Island and the surrounding waters, um, who, like many of his fellow fishermen, is finding it increasingly difficult to make ends meet and um, keep ownership of his boat. The fisherman sings about the depletion of the fish stocks by industrial factory overfishing, destroying the fisher grounds. That that lyric, I know there's fish out there, but God, uh, but where God only knows. And the increasingly demanding environmental regulations, you know, since they told me I can't sell no stripers, which make it hard for men like him to survive, especially with the conversion of his home island into an expensive summer colony for the affluent. There ain't no island left for islanders like me. Um, Billy Joel, um, you know, boating is actually one of his favorite hobbies, which I I did not know that. I prepping for the episode, I did did some research, and the man owns several boats and and has for years. In fact, as a grade school student, apparently, um, he would get in trouble with his teachers because he was constantly sketching boats in class. Um, I, I learned a lot, but I'm well, he, he, it, it it's really and and his. Um, well, you know, he, he makes nautical references in a lot of his songs, and his personal management company is called Maritime right. Music. Um, I don't want to go too far into it, because as we said, we were probably doing a Billy Joel spotlight before right. too long. Um, but no, it, it was really kind of interesting to me to, to learn more about uh, his love of the of, of, of the water. Well, so. one of the boats that he owns is called Alexa Ray, which yes. is named after his daughter. And yeah, this... I'm not a big fan of a lot of Billy Joel's later work. Um, I, I still like it, but I think the the last couple albums were the, definitely the weakest albums in his catalog. 
I, I, I would agree. There are a lot of songs. That, I mean, it's, the, the albums are very hit or, you know, the tracks are very hit or miss. Um, this is probably my favorite song uh, on the last three albums. Of, really? Of three. Yeah. Donnie Strelexa. And, okay. and it's because it's, it's, it's timeless to me. I mean, as much as I like Billy Joel, some, some stuff, especially in the later albums, sounds kind of dated. The production's very 80s, dare I say, adult contemporary. Downey's Alexa to me sounds like a folk song, mm-hmm. a folk song that fishermen would sing. It's with the accordion and just the, the production was perfect on this song. It's it's not overly polished. It it, it just feels like you're on a rough sea on, on you know sailing. It, it's it, it's perfect. The references in the song are actual places, nautical and otherwise, uh, such as Block Island Sound, Gardner's Bay, the vineyard is Martha's Vineyard, of course. Um, And, you know, he juxtaposes them against more mythical lines, like giants out there in the canyon and I'm trawling Atlantis. Uh, It really helps to convey a sense of of a life rooted in gritty realism, but controlled by larger forces. I I, I love the song. Um, And, you know, Dominic Cortese, he plays accordion, on the track. He, he played on several Billy Joel songs. And um, there's also an uncredited violinist, um, which gives the song its, its folksy sound. Um, that uh, famous incognito violinist actually was world-renowned classical violinist Ishak Perlman. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful track. Yeah, no, no doubt. Oh, and I, I did learn this too, which I never knew. Uh, when released as a single, all proceeds from the single were then uh, given to the fishermen of Oyster Bay. Yeah, yeah. So I do was, think it's interesting too. I know Billy Joel's been very forthcoming about his political leanings. You know, he's a, he's a Democrat. I don't know how progressive of a Democrat, but he's a Democrat. And I think it's interesting when there are two conflicting issues that would fall under the Democratic platform. And so you have environmental regulations, which is very important under the platform of the Democrats, but also protecting blue-collar workers. And so here is two different conflicting issues. And obviously he's, he's taking the side of the fishermen because... You know, this is where he lives and he's watched these people and he understands that they're trying to feed their family. But it is, you know, nothing's easy in politics. And you're going to run up with some of these conflicting issues and we have to decide how do we proceed or how do we satisfy both and, and be responsible. Yeah, it's, it's actually, you bring up a great point. It's fascinating. Um, but, you know, I, as important as the environment is, we have to vote our interests and, you know, the livelihoods of of the bubbies, which is what Bayman are called in that area, um, you know, as, as the song says, I have bills to pay and children who need clothes. So, you know, that trumps on a personal level, you know, environmental regulations. So, no, but I, I didn't even think about that. That's that's a wonderful point. All right. Uh, my turn. I'm just going to get it out of the way now. <laughs> just okay. Right off the bat. 
Uh, obviously, Jimmy Buffett has more songs about sailing than any other artist. I'm sure of that. I don't have to look it up. Um, you know, we, we found it was when we did the Sand and Surf episode, we were surprised that there weren't a lot of songs about the beach. Correct. Uh, but sailing, not a problem. I could have chosen probably an entire mix of just Jimmy Buffett's sailing songs. Yes. Well, wait until we get to an alcohol mixtape. <laughs> and, and, and arguably the best one is A Pirate Looks at 40, which is my guess of, for, of your choice. I don't know for sure if you chose it, but that, okay. that's my guess. And I, I have no problem. It belongs there because it's a great sailing song. But a song that's not on the box set because it came out after the box set is in my top five Buffett songs of all time. And it's a sailing song, specifically about sailing. And I think it's one that a lot of people don't know. And so I just wanted to raise awareness of the song because it's so good. And that's Barometer Soup. Mm. It's the you know, first track off the album of the same name. Great song. Came out in 95. And it, it's literally just about you know, sailing. You know, Follow in my wake. You're not, you've not that much at stake. I've plowed the seas and smoothed the troubled waters. Come along, let's have some fun. The hard work has been done. We'll barrel roll into the sun just for starters. Yeah, there's a little metaphor there too, but just that idea of not just sailing, but people working on a ship or working on a uh, boat of some sort. And the hard work's been done. So you can imagine they've worked hard all day in the sun, everything's, you know, their work's completed, and now they can just have a party, relax, whatever, what have you. It's a great choice. I, um, you know, Buffett in in the early to mid '90s, he had a really creative, um, a really powerful uh, trio of albums: Fruitcakes, of course, followed mm-hmm. by Barometer Soup, and then Banana Wind. Those three. That's like a like a trilogy that. Yeah. They were. Um, it's kind of yeah. it was kind of his um, resurgence in a way. Uh, yeah. the, the box set helped. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. then those three albums. Um, no, Barometer Soup. I I also love the Mark Twain. You know references on on that album, uh, Barefoot Children, Remittance Man. And, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Schoolboy Heart's another one of my top ten. Oh, school! I love Schoolboy Heart. Yeah. No, it, it's I I did not choose Barometer Soup. <laughs> you I, you pretty much nailed my 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 choice, which I it was kind of a no brainer. Um, so I'm going to defer to that choice, but I at least wanted people to check out Barometer Soup. The, the entire album is the entire album is based on most of the songs are based on literary works. You know, yes. Buffett's an avid reader of, of classic literature, but uh, and there and there are some hit. You know, like with any artist, with Buffett, there's some hits or misses. I'm not a big fan of Bank of Bad Habits because it's just Gypsies in the Palace remade. True. Um, which, believe it or not, Gypsies or um, uh, Bank of Bad Habits was the single off of that album. Yes, it was. And every time I hear people talk about this album, they talk about other tracks, but nobody mentions Barometer Soup, which to me it's just mind-boggling because I think it's the strongest track on the album and arguably the strongest track of the of the trilogy of those three albums you mentioned. Huh. I, I don't know that I'd go that far, but it, it's definitely up there. I know you've impressed me. I, I kind of, when you said uh, 
You thought I was going to pick Son of a Son, son of, of a Sailor. That's exactly where I thought oh, you were going. Oh, come on. Well, I, you know, I I was not expecting Barometer. I'm, I'm very impressed, and it's, it's a fantastic choice. So, all right. Well, we will do the face-off, which I'm sure I'll win. Yes, <laughs> just, you'll win that. Just a little bit later. Um, all right. My, my second song this week is by Looking Glass. Uh, it came out in 1972. It is titled Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. Um, the lyrics tell the story of Brandy. She's a barmaid in a busy seaport harbor town, which serves 100 ships a day, we're told. Um, and even though lonely sailors flirt with her, she, she pines for the one that got away. Um, you know, she, she fell in love with one who, who left her because he claimed his life, his love, and his lady was the sea. true for a lot of my picks this week. I, I found this really interesting. I have quite a few uh, songs that, that followed this same pattern. Um, WPGC AM, uh, it was the leading, one of the leading top 40 stations in the country and was the number one radio station in DC in, in 72. And Harv Moore was the program director. Um, Brandy was actually the B-side. And um, Harv Moore, he decided to flip the record. He put Brandy into a one-hour rotation for two days, and, and the switchboard just lit up like a Christmas tree. Um, Moore said that he had never received a response like that on a record in his 15 years in radio. So then based on the airplay and all uh, the other top 40 stations that followed, Epic Rush released the single of Brandy and, and made it an A-side of its own. Um, and, and based on the request alone, two weeks later when the single finally hit the stores, Brandy was already the number one record in D.C. without a single copy yet sold. Um, for whatever reason, that, that was just a recurring motif with a lot of the songs that I picked this week. So many of them were B-sides. Hmm. And I, I found that really, really interesting. Um, shows you, you know, the power that, that radio DJs really, really do have. Well, they used to. They don't anymore, No, not anymore. Yeah, that's true. Now it's all digital. And DJs used to have, I mean, independent stations, and you had the opportunity as a DJ to choose music that you liked, that you, want to introduce to the, that you wanted to introduce to the world. True. And today it's all, of course, corporate-owned, and you have a playlist already programmed for you. Right. Well, what is it? iHeartRadio, I think, owns probably two-thirds of the radio stations in America. Right. So, um, but no, I, Brandy, and, you know, it, it, the song, it... It had a bit of a, a resurgence uh, a couple of years ago because it was featured in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and suddenly a new generation was familiar with the song. But it, it's just one of those tracks from the early 70s that I never grow tired of. It, it's just, it's fantastic. Good choice. Thank you. All right. Your turn. My next one is, well, there are several really obvious choices this week. Okay, so this is one of 
the obvious choices. I, I fully expect you to have it. If not, it had it has to be on there because it's it, it, this and one other song has to be on there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Sailing by Christopher Cross. I did not include it. That surprises me. I, I you have to have sailing. If you have a sailing mix, you have to have Mr. Yacht Rock himself. Yes. Christopher and, Cross. And he is Yacht Rock. No, I, I intentionally did not include it because I was certain that you probably All right. would. All right. So um, it, it just seemed unnecessary to me to, to have it on my list because I, I did. I just kind of took for granted that you would have it and, and you do yeah this is the the quintessential sailing and he has another one ride like the wind right yeah which i believe is probably i've always assumed it was about sailing i don't maybe it's about biking i don't know I, you know it's really the lyrics are really ambiguous yeah. on that one I, I i associate it with boating but yeah like you I've, I've i think the lyrics lend themselves more to to being on a on a motorcycle well the song also has a personal connection for me uh because it, i think it was the first one of the first songs at least that i remember noticing on my own, not because my, my dad played it in the radio or because, in fact, it's strange. I have a memory of we were on vacation and we had stopped a, a hotel along the way or a motel or, you know, someplace overnight. And they had a miniature golf course um, as a part of it. You stayed there and you get to play miniature golf and it had a waterfall and everything. And for whatever reason, I remember that song playing on the radio. Hmm. And I still have that memory burned in my brain. I don't know why. But every time I hear the song, I remember miniature, miniature golfing when I was eight years old. So this was not one of the albums Dad brought home. For no, me. this is not. This is <laughs> the not from record there. Store. Um, um, it, it was number one uh, on Billboard's Hot 100. Uh, it was Record of the Year Grammy. Uh, won Song of the Year at the Grammys. Christopher Cross won Grammy for Best New Artist. So yes, um, this song really just kind of swept everything that year. Yeah, and then I think it was the, the following year he released Arthur's Theme, and then he just. Well, don't forget uh, the Laura. Oh, yeah. Laura's theme from General Hospital Hospital, as well. Um, But then he faded. But yeah, yeah, then he just kind of vanished. It's not far to never, never land. The reason to pretend. If the wind is right, you can find the joy of innocence again. Oh, the cans can do miracles. Just you wait. great song i i always like you i have i have many memories of sailing on the radio in my youth and there are two of them actually i always associate sailing also with summer breeze by seals and crofts right, because they yep. similar vibe another yacht rock staple yeah that the two of them just kind of for whatever reason for years when i was very young i thought it was the same artist in fact um no it, it's it is a wonderful tune and it is that that uh, Western vibe and, and it's just, that California sound. Exactly. You know. Yes. So no, it's a great choice and I'm, I'm happy I didn't include it. I, I, I just assumed you would and ding, ding won that one again. So, all right. All right. My next song is, uh, well, it, it's, it started out, it was originally a Creedence Clearwater Revival hit. Okay, so we have another match. Really? That well, one's match too. And I'm interested to see what version, because I have the version I think we should put on there. But Okay. So this will be a good discussion. Well, it, uh, it began life as a CCR tune. John Fogarty wrote the song following his discharge from the National Guard. Um, 
Fogarty's original is a, is a seamless mix of black and white roots music. And Proud Mary is the track, of course. It, it's about a steamboat traveling up and down the river, and Fogarty's lyric sketches out a vivid picture of the protagonist finding a comfortable niche in, in a community of outsiders. Um, and, and the story connects back to Mark Twain. I, there's a lot of Twain in my list. Uh, well, the riverboat. I mean, that uh, makes absolutely, sense. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, it brings the myth of, of the rambling man and, and life along the Mississippi into the 60s. And recorded by CCR, the song peaked at number two. On, on Billboard. It was um, kind of like a, a working class exa- yes, song, more exa- about working class exactly. people. Uh, Ike and Tina Turner released their cover two years later, and it did nearly as well. It, it, it actually hit number four. Um, I went with Ike and Tina Turner. You, you, missed, you missed something, mister. I missed something? Yes, the, the connection between the two. Hmm. Look, I know something you don't know. Apparently. I'm, ah. I, I, I'm, I'm so intrigued. after the CCR song, okay, there was an R&B singer, Solomon Burke. Okay, I know Solomon Burke. He heard, he heard it, and he heard it as a soul song, and he recorded it, and it was actually kind of a minor hit on, R&B, on the R&B charts. He recorded the same year that uh, CCR did, 1969. Really? Yeah, and he reinterpreted as a kind of a black consciousness song okay. uh, where he connected the, the, the boat and the riverboat and you know, slave trade and all of that. Sure, yeah. And it's that a makes really, sense. really good version. Huh. He was the one then that told Ike Turner, hey, you guys should record it. You guys would put a nice little spin on it. And Ike heard the song and Ike and Tina Turner then turned it into another hit. Right. So it actually hit the charts three times within three or four years. I don't know that I've ever heard Solomon it's Burke's really version. It's really good. Um, well, uh, now, now you, you said really you were going to pick the Ike and Tina? Yeah, I'm going okay. with Ike and Tina. And that's a good, that's a great version too. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, Ike wasn't keen on, on Credence's version. And again, I didn't know about Solomon Burke, but um, yeah, Ike Turner's arrangement it instead begins with that slow, sultry, soulful tone in which Tina introduces the song and she warns the audience that she and the band are going to start it off nice and easy, right? right? Um, but she also reminds them that we never do nothing nice and easy, nice double negative there. And then she famously promises that they would finish uh, the tune nice and rough. And, you know, after the lyrics are first sung softly by the Turners, the, the song then turns into a funk rock vamp with... Tina and the iCats. Oh yeah, it's quite a performance. influence vocals yes. and yes. yeah, I, I much prefer that one to CCR. Which one are you going well, to argue for? Well, here's what, here's what I think we should do. When we take our pause to run through our sequence, I think we should play all three of them and see where they fit into the mix. Fair enough. I was thinking the R&B version because I like the way that he takes the same song that originally was about a working class man and ties it in to the African-American experience. 
And I'm just, I'm a sucker for soul music. As much as I love the CCR, it was, it, I'd never heard the version before, and it's incredible. But I continue to turn is great, too. So maybe we just listen to all three of them, and we decide which way we want to go. Okay. Well, it's your turn, sir. It's my turn. Okay. So <laughs> I just got, I decided to get all the obvious ones out of the way. Okay. So this is the next obvious one. I fully expect you to have it on your list. And if not, you only skipped it because you knew I'd put it on my list. And that is Come Sail Away by Sticks. We have a match. All right came out in 77 from the album The Grand Illusion. It's uh, written and sung by Dennis DeYoung. If you know anything about Sticks, you know that Tommy Shaw and, and Dennis DeYoung are kind of the primary songwriters and, and lead vocalists, and Sticks has since broken up, or they've split into two. So I've seen, uh, I've seen the Tommy Shaw incarnation of, of Sticks, and my wife has seen the Dennis DeYoung version of Sticks. Okay. Um, and, they, and they're both great, but right. they're just two different versions out now yeah i i think i'd 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 side more with dennis de young just because well we talked about this last week the right. frontman being you know and i like tommy shaw just because i, I liked i think well dennis de young had more had more of the pop hits yes and tommy shaw had more of the rockers exactly and i kind of like the rockers more but i like the pop stuff too so. right yeah sure. no i and really the 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 discontent the disdain came over you know kilroy was here tommy shaw was just Furious with Dennis DeYoung and then, you know, Mr. Roboto was, he, he argued it was... It was a line too far. Yeah, for him. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, it, it was, uh, it, it is a match. I figured it would be. We lived happily forever So the story goes But somehow we missed out On the part of gold But we'll try Now, this song has been in numerous uh, TV shows and, and movies, but the one that really stands out to me is how it was used in the television show Freaks and Geeks. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I was just about to bring that point, point up. If you have not, if not aware of Freaks and Geeks, I think it's arguably the greatest one season television show ever. It, it was canceled by NBC after the first season. I'm not sure why. And it was probably a blessing for the actors because it launched the career, you know, James Franco, Seth Rogen, to name two, but there are probably four or five oh, yes. uh, actors that have gone on, a lot of them in Judd Apatow projects because it was a Judd Apatow slash Paul Freig project originally. Correct. So they've all been very successful and they're probably happy that the season happened and that it kind of wasn't renewed because most of them have been extremely successful. But not only is it a great one season of television, it's probably, I would say, I would argue for the definitive Generation X TV show. I, I yeah, no, I would agree 100%. So, and, um, and I don't know if it's on any streaming media currently. It was for a while. I own the, the DVD box that we watch it quite often. Um, but 
how the, the song was, it's great. I'll try to explain if you're not, if you haven't watched the show, but there's a character, Sam, and he's got a crush on Cindy. Yep. Uh, and at the very end, he's working up the nerve to ask her to dance at this, you know, middle school dance, or maybe, you know, I guess it's high school because they're freshmen. Oh, I remember this. I remember this episode vividly. And yes. what's so great is, uh, you know, he asked her to slow dance and come sail away. It, the DJ plays Come Sail Away, which begins as a slow song. And the whole time he's trying to work up the nerve to ask her. And when he finally gets up the nerve to ask her and she says yes, the song kicks into the fast part of the song. <laughs> yes. And everybody begins to, to dance, uh, to fast dance. And of course he has lost his opportunity. But it's a nice moment too because they all dance together and they're all smiling and laughing. And it's a great, yep. it, it was, that was the pilot episode. That's how the first episode ends. And they play the entire Come Sail Away. The entire right. song is played at the end of that pilot episode. And that may be one of the greatest pilot episodes ever and, and the best use of a song ever. So check it out if you have not done so. Yeah. And, I, you know, the song to Come Sail Away, it, it, it really took the band to the next level because they're, the previous two albums um, did not sell well. They, they had a huge hit with Lady. Um, and then the following, uh, the, the next two albums did not did not chart as, as Dennis DeYoung had hoped. He actually fell into a deep depression when writing comes sail away. Um, but this song kind of, you know, it took them to the next level. They were no longer the supporting player because they opened for everyone. Foghat, Bob Seger, uh, you, you name it. I mean, they, they were constantly uh, the opening act. And this, this song took them to that next level. They were now the headliner. Um, but no, it, it's a great song. You know, the, the ending, though, is a strange one. I've always been kind of the end of the the end of the, the song. Oh, the, song. the end of the song. The end of the song. Okay. Oh, um, you mean lyrically? Lyrically, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the closing lyrics, you know, the whole time he's he's on on the water, and then the closing lyrics tell of a transformation from a sailing ship to starship, and you know, basically they you know by narr- narrating that they climbed aboard their starship and headed for the skies. It, it's that's as, the, as you said, metaphor. It's the metaphor but, for chasing your dreams. Exactly. And it, um, it reminds me of the end of um, not the not the part with the spaceship, but the sailing of uh, the Truman Show. Oh yes. When he decides to pursue his dreams and and, leave, and then of course he runs into a wall after so long in the ocean in the sailboat. Yeah. But um, I always interpreted, or at least I saw an homage to uh, Ezekiel in that last yes. uh, verse uh, yeah, with the, the flying the disc in the and, sky yes. and the yep. angels. And exactly. It's a very Old Testament. Yeah. And, and two, let's not forget, the song uh, regained popularity in 1999 when it was used in the episode of South Park. Oh, right, um, right, right, right. Cartman, you know, he was compelled to sing it every so often. And <laughs> right, Cartman's, Cartman's version was released on a soundtrack album for the show. And <laughs> I totally forgot yeah, the about song, that. Yeah, the song was introduced to a whole new generation. Oh, I got to look that know, up now. There. Um, yeah, that might be fun. I'm, I'm going to watch that That tonight. might be fun for the alternates list. Yeah. Um, but no, that, that is a match and, and deservedly so. So, All right. Yeah, I, I, there's at least one time I get to go to And I'm glad that, list. you know, the, the Freaks and Geek thing is just, yeah. I mean, I, we could do it. There you go. We should have a podcast just on, you could do a, like a limited edition podcast of, of, of just freaks and geeks. Go through each episode. Oh, and that'd be great. It's yeah. so good. It was actually in my notes. I was going to bring up the show and you just beat me to it. So um, no, it, it's just, and, and that scene, you know, with, with uh, the two of them. Um, Cindy you know, Sanders. Sam, Sam, and, Cindy Sam Sanders. and Cindy. I, I imagine, you know, that that probably happened to a number of couples. That scenario probably played out right. on, on a lot of high school gym floors. Um, so it's, yeah, great episode. And if you don't know, it takes place in 1980. That's why I say it's like the epitome of the greatest maybe Gen X season of television ever. So, yep. All right, my turn. Uh, my next song, um, 
Well, let, let me preface this a bit. Um, you know, to most rock and rollers of the 1950s, Las Vegas symbolized everything that was square and unsavory uh, about the recording business. You know, Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, they, they all preferred playing one-night concerts like Alan Freed's Moondog Coronation Ball in Cleveland, you know, the concerts that typically feature 10 to 20 burgeoning acts, and they played to adoring teens accompanied by the euphoric screams of, of girls in attendance. Um, but there was one rocker uh, who did not fit that stereotype, Bobby Darren. Um, Darren began his career as a rock and roller, but he soon switched gears. He was a fan of what he considered legitimate singers. He loved Sinatra. He loved Tony Bennett. He wanted to play Vegas. Um, and, and he also believed that he could steer his teenage fans to discover the crooners of the 30s and 40s uh, by singing standards from the Great American Songbook. So he began recording songs like Mac the Knife and uh, You Must Have Been a Beautiful Baby and this one, Beyond the Sea. Um, which I think is, is hands down, is his best vocal work. Um, Darren knew he was living on, on borrowed time, too. He was diagnosed with a heart condition as a young boy, and uh, he, was, he was told he wouldn't live to see 21, and then the diagnose, diagnosis changed to, to 30. Um, so he lived it up in Vegas, enjoying the neon lights and the poker tables, and he would often say that his late nights gambling were his attempt to, quote-unquote, double up on the short time that was left to him. Um, beyond the sea, though, it... it Oh, his best uh, big band vocals, as I said. And originally it was a French composition titled La Mer, and the English translation has been covered by countless artists. But, but Darren's, it, it remains, you know, the very best so far as I'm concerned. <laughs> stands on golden sands and watches the ships that go sailing somewhere beyond the sea she's there watching for me if I could fly like birds on high then straight to her arms I'd go we usually don't go that far back. Um, you know, we, we haven't pulled a lot of early rock and roll, but if we're, if we're doing a, a, you know, a sailing theme, Beyond the Sea is just, it's so good. So for me, it was, it was a clear choice for this week's list. Well, and in true form, like our other mixtapes, we, uh, we're eclectic, so we're going to include a variety of styles and genres. So I think it's good that we have an old classic on there. Agreed. Good choice. Thank you. All right, the next obvious one. I'm getting them all out of the way first. Okay. So this is one that you might have put on your list. This is one when you mentioned maybe doing a sailing mixtape. Uh, this is one among the other last two that I mentioned. They came, actually last three, that came to mind right away, and that's Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Southern Cross. Another match. Yeah, I told you we have a lot. It's uh, written and sung by Stephen Stills and Graham Nash. Of course, we uh, featured them last episode as well on the Our House episode or, or the Home episode. And it's from uh, a later album, 82, Daylight Again. Neil Young wasn't a part of this one. Um, and it's, it, a lot of people don't know this. I didn't know this till this week that um, Art Garfunkel and Timothy V. Schmidt actually sang backup vocals. Really? On that. And um, you mentioned the Cleveland connection with Alan Freed. Joe Vitale plays drums on this track. Joe Vitale grew up in Canton, Ohio. Right, that I knew. Played yes. with the Eagles and longtime drummer for right. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. And so he played on this track, too. So I just wanted a little 
little Very cool. hometown shout out. There's a later version which uh, Jimmy Buffett covered. I, in fact, before Jimmy Buffett covered it, I always thought Jimmy Buffett should cover it. Yes. And he finally did. Yes. Of course, we'd be foolish to choose that one because then we would limit our other Buffett choice. So, But I, as much as I like Buffett's version, the, the original Crosby, Stills, and Nash version is, is the definitive yeah. one. Well, and you know, David Crosby actually was, was not on, on the track either. No, actually, correct. He, he um, yeah, he was in the video, but yes. he couldn't make the recording session. Right, he... That's he um, he had just been arrested for drug-related charges at the time. Uh, he liked the his powder. He liked yes. his powder. So, um, and he didn't re- reunite with Stills and Nash until the album was well underway. His vocals, yeah, he's not featured. Although, he, as you said, he did appear in the video, and subsequently he sang the song with the group in live performances. Um, no, it, it's a great song. And, and you know, it, it, the Curtis brothers, Richard Curtis and Michael Curtis, they actually brought Stills a song. Because it started life, um, it was a song titled Seven League Boots. Um, and um, Stills, he, he just felt that the song, it, it, it rambled, it meandered too much. And so he rewrote a new set of words and added a different chorus. And, and largely, it's, it's the story about a long boat trip that he himself took after his divorce. Um, and, you know, just as an aside, Seven League Boots, given that that was the original title, that probably bears mentioning... Um, as well. Um, Seven League Boots are a common magical artifact which crops up repeatedly in many European folk and fairy tales. Uh, Apparently they're a pair of boots that are often given by a magical helper to um, aid in the the completion of a difficult task. The boots allegedly allow the wearer to take strides that are seven leagues long. And according to my son, uh, you know, they, they, similar footwear, appears very often to, uh, to greatly increase one's traveling speed or stride in, in role-playing and video games. So, um, but now the Southern Cross, it's, you know, the, the title is a constellation known as the Crux Constellation, and it can be viewed from most of the Southern Hemisphere. And it, it's just, oh, the song is beautiful, though. The harmonies and the guitar and now great choice and, and another match. Good. Your, your turn. All right. Well, my next song is one that is not going to be a match. I really doubt you have this one. Uh, it's Mutineer, and it's by Jason Isbell and, and Amanda Shires. It's not a not a match. Not a match. Not a All match. Right. Well, Jason Isbell, he, he's an Alabama native. He was a member of the Southern rock group Drive by Truckers before going solo. And um, Amanda Shires, they're, they're married. Yeah, she, I, I'm familiar with her work, yeah. Yeah, she's a Texas native who grew up playing fiddle with the Texas Playboys, and then, um, you know, she... Uh, when when she went solo, she had a number of acclaimed albums that mixed poetic flair with experimental 
uh, with an experimental streak in Roots music traditions before she really blew it up with her dark and very moody album To the Sunset. And then in 2019, she founded a country music supergroup called The High Women. Um, but the two of them, they're married, uh, and really they're a pair of singer-songwriters now that, that are a power couple. They find themselves as leading figures in the amorphous, ever-evolving Americana genre. Um, Mutineer is actually a song by Warren Zevon, and um, you know, it was the title track from his 1995 album. Um, it really is a song that was meant to be a duet, which which is really evidenced by, by Isbell and Shire's recording. Um, you know, there's an honest simplicity to the lyrics. It says, Yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum, hoist the main, main sail, here I come, and ain't no room on board for the insincere, you're my witness, I'm your mutineer, I was born to rock the boat, some may sink, but we will float, grab your coat, let's get out of here, you're my witness, I'm your mutineer. And it's, the version is, it, it's a cozy duet, and the vocals are pitch perfect, and it, it, it blends a loving tribute to their, to their, you know, very loving relationship. It's it's a bright and airy song, and their voices complement one another so well. It's just a relaxed and, and a very layered texture. Yo ho ho, and a bottle of rum. Hoist the mainsails, here I come. Ain't no room on board for the insincere. You're my witness. I'm your I was born to rock the boat Some may sink but we will float Grab your coat, let's get out of here You're my witness, I'm your mutiny Simply stated, the song it's far superior to Zevon's original, and I are you familiar with it? Or do you know? The I'm song? not. I'm not. Okay. This is another one I think you'll really well. I do enjoy. prefer the Americana trend over the country trend. You know, yes. we've talked about this before, but country music is extremely you know commercial now, and it's it's very stereotypical, especially lyrically. But Americana and alt country, um, a lot of you know, they've taken bluegrass and traditional country and, and rock and and folk, and have created a whole kind of genre that to me is a lot more appealing than mainstream country so yeah i'm looking forward to hearing that cool all right sir all right talk about eclectic okay this is another one where i knew i had to put it on and i'm so excited because i finally get to put a song on by one of my favorite bands of all time and i don't think you're a fan of this band so i think i tried to get him into get you into this band a while back and you didn't dig it uh decemberist decemberist yeah they yep. may be my number one, like favorite band of two thousand and beyond. No, I, I respected it. I I, I admired uh, the you know the songs that you shared with me. I just I, yeah, just I, it didn't do it for me. Just uh, not a fan. But well, if you're a December's fan, you know already what I'm going to choose. If not, um, you know, buckle up because this song is epic. Uh, this is the Mariners' Revenge song, and this song uh, is it, basically a, a short story set to, to song, and it's a masterpiece of narrative diction. Colin Malloy, who is the lead singer and, and, and the writer, uh, who also has his own set of, uh, of young adult fantasy books. He's his sister's an author. Very literate family. Anyway, so this song, this, this short story, and again, I don't want to say anything about the short story because you have to listen to it 
um, verse by verse. I think there are probably maybe 10, 12, 13 verses of this story. And two interesting kind of tidbits. If you see the Decemberists live, and I've seen them several times now, they always end with, or, or recently, they've been ending with this song. And it's an audience participation song. Uh, there's a part in the, in the story where something happens, and they ask the audience to recreate that moment. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a fun moment. And then a giant whale, and I won't say more about it, but a giant whale is then brought out into the audience. Yes. Brought out into the audience. Yeah, it's this big, giant, now it's a big, giant, inflatable whale. They've updated the whale. Okay. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was paper mache before, but now it's this big and inflatable uh, whale. Last time I saw him was at the Nelsonville Music Festival. Oh, okay. And, uh, down uh, near Athens there. Yes. And um, they, unfortunately, Colin Malloy had, had laryngitis that night. And I was really disappointed because, I mean, I, I love all the music in Nelsonville. It's a great experience. If you're in the Ohio, Kentucky, you know, Midwest region, check it out. Unfortunately, it was canceled this year like everything else. But they were one of the headliners, and I was so excited. And I was with my friend, and I wanted him to really experience, um, you know, Decemberist live. And Colin had laryngitis. And so he came out, he played, he tried really hard. He played, you know, two or three songs, four songs, and he was just struggling. And so I want to say they might have actually gotten to six or seven tracks, but they, they had to, to shut the, um, cut the show short. But they have to end with Mariner's Revenge song. I mean, mm. the, the, the whales waiting in the wings. Now, is this a riff on Jonah? I mean, I'm, tr- I'm trying to not, figure out it's why. It's not a riff on Jonah, but there are similarities to the Jonah oh, story. Oh, okay. 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 And so um, this being a quite wordy song was not something Colin was going to, you know, uh, attempt. So this is great. He, he actually looks out into the audience and says, does anybody know this song? And a bunch of people raise their hand. No, because I, I mean, to the point where you could sing every word. And this one, you know, kid, he's probably in his early 20s, jumping up and down. So he pulls him up on stage and he gives him the microphone. And this kid sang the song almost perfectly there were a few moments there were a few verses where he started to struggle and colin kind of helped him it's on youtube hmm. and so check it out check out the mariner's revenge song from nelsonville i'm not sure what's under but you can probably find it pretty quickly but it, it, it's great and so we still got to experience the song it was fun to see you know how this kid would do and you know just a great little experience so that's probably my favorite song on the list just because it's such an interesting Song. I know you're not a fan. Maybe this will help uh, I, you become somewhat of might, a fan. Might light, light the spark. We are two mariners, a ship's sole survivors in this belly of a whale. Its ribs are ceiling beams, its guts are carpeting. I guess we have some time to kill. You may not remember me, I was a child of three, and you a lad of eighteen. But I remember you, and I will relate to you how our history's in a weave. another chance i mean it's it's been a couple of years i think since you really tried to to push him on me that that sounds negative you didn't push it well, on, just, on me but, i probably did because i do right rec- yes i've tried to push it on my yeah. family too and they right. you know they're very yeah, it's been a couple of years since you recommended it to me i should say and i at the time i just 
I don't know. It, it, I, yeah, I, it just didn't didn't move me. It didn't didn't connect. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward. I'll to, make you a mixtape of this. Do of it, December. Hey, do it. I, I will and, gladly, and, you know, gladly give it a play. Yeah. All right. Um, well, my next song. Um, uh, you know, I just got done talking about early rock and rollers. Um. 1956 is generally remembered as the birth year of rock and roll. Um, you know, 21-year-old Elvis Presley released two self-titled LPs that year. Um, but it seems strange now to recall this, but for a time, rock and roll and Calypso were in an odd foot race for cultural uh, ubiquity. Really? Like uh, like Calypso could have been ca- yes, America's it, music in yeah, the 50s? It, and That's be, hard to imagine. Uh, right? Yeah, no, Harry Belafonte... He, he's the Harlem-born son of poor, undocumented Jamaican immigrants, and he made music history with the release of his 1956 album, Calypso. Okay, The album was the very first by a solo performer to sell a million copies. Hmm. Very first. And it, it outsold, greatly outsold, both of Elvis's self-titled LPs that hmm. came out that same year. Um, Calypso, is, it's best remembered for the hit single, Deo, the Banana Boat song, which is not the one that I chose. Which is one that I considered, but didn't yeah. make my list. No, I did not, uh, did not include that one. Um, but it also featured that the song that I did, but here on my list, uh, this beautiful ballad, Jamaica Farewell. Great song. Um, which another one Jimmy Buffett covered. Yeah, he did cover yeah, it, right. yes. Jamaica Farewell, it's a Jamaican folk song in the mental tradition. We talked about mental last mm-hmm. week, of course. Uh, the lyrics were written by Belafonte's longtime friend and collaborator, Lord Burgess, though... Many, including Belafonte himself, have said that the song was popular in the West Indies long yeah, it's, before it's, Burgess. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's believed that Burgess compiled and modified the song from several different folk pieces to, to make the new song. And he actually acknowledged that he used the tune of another mento called Iron Bar when writing the ballad. Um, but it is such a beautiful song. It's, it's uh, you know... It, it, huh. Reviewers described Belafonte as, as the total package. He had his baritone, his facial expressions, the bodily movements. They all be, became parts of the words and music. And the result was always a rich, dramatic portrayal that gave life to the narratives he, he shared in song. Um, and Jamaican Farewell is a prime example. It's, it's the intimate story of a man who must leave his love behind when forced to sail home. Um, and the allure of his island beauty makes the voyage home feel lifeless and, and, and numb. Um, but Belafonte's sincerity in, in his phrasing and his vocal emphasis, it really allows the listener to share the heartache. I mean, you, you, you're right there with him as, you know, the song uh, unfolds, and it's, oh, it's, it's just, it, it's a gorgeous song. Yeah, so, no, it is. And, and the Buffett version's on, I think it's on Feeding Frenzy. I think it's a live version. Correct. So yeah. we can throw that on the alternates list, too. Both of them are, are, are good, but obviously Belafonte's is the, is right. the definitive version. Down the way where the nights are gay And the sun shines daily on the mountain top I took a trip on a sailing ship And when I reached Jamaica I made a stop But I'm sad to say I'm on my way Won't be back for many a day My heart is down, my head is turning around I had to leave a little girl in Kingston town
he he was on the charts. Uh, I mean, yeah, Calypso, it was everywhere in 56, 57. And just as rock and roll was taking, you know, taking a, a foothold on, on the charts. And yeah, they were they were really right there together. And Calypso, I would argue for a while, was more popular, um, not just with the adult audience, which would make sense, but also with, with teens. So, but it's it's been long forgotten, of course, with, you know, rock and roll becoming what, what it did. Um, but now, to me, I, I just it, any list on, on on the theme of sailing has to include Jamaica Farewell. So excellent. All right, good choice. All right, my next one was Down Easter Alexa, which you already um, chose. So that yes. means I need an alternate. And uh, let's see, what am I going to choose? Uh, I have several here. I didn't. I did not denote which. <laughs> Where am I altered? So I have to count here really quickly. One, two, three, four. I brought a long okay. list of alternates. All so. right. So, there are those, so I have four alternates. Five if you if you count the novelty song that we mentioned. Uh, I think I'm going to choose um, I'm going to choose a, a vibing song here. Actually, most of my alternates are kind of vibey songs. This is about uh, from an artist that a lot of people they don't they don't know John Prine. Uh, he just passed away, unfortunately, in, in yes. April from COVID uh, symptoms or, or COVID-related uh, impl- uh, complications. Uh, he's this like a, a prolific country folk artist who's been around forever. Uh, huge inspiration for Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan, even Roger Waters. A lot of people don't know John Prine though, because he may have been the very first um, artist to crowdfund his music. Now, of course, back in the 80s, there was no internet, but he was just disillusioned by how the music industry exploited singers and songwriters, and so he formed his own independent label, and he basically asked his fans to send money to finance his next next record, and they would send him money, he'd take the money, he'd record the record, you know, and that's, it's crowdfunding, yes. it's the same thing uh, as GoFundMe, but exactly. they yes. just did it through the mail, and so he had these these hardcore fans, but course you know never received a lot of radio play because he didn't play the game you know he just played played music for him and his fans and i kind of you know respect that but great stuff and i was hoping after he passed there might be kind of a revival of his stuff and there is maybe a little bit but not as much as i kind of hoped but uh this is a song uh came out in 1986 okay uh from an album strangely album uh, strangely titled album german afternoons uh called sailing around and it's really just, like I say, a vibe song. You could say it's metaphorical. Well, it is metaphorical because he's sailing around trying to get back to his girlfriend um, or wife or loved one or what have you. Sailing around, sailing around, sailing around. I've been out sailing around again. I've been sailing around again. That's my choice, Sailing Around by John Prine. Very nice. Okay, well, my next song was Come Sail Away, which, of course, I have to uh, choose an alternate. I, I came with a long list of alternates, but but I had a lot of fun. Some of these songs probably, they're very unconventional. I don't know that they would, would flow well on, on the mixtape, but, but I wanted them on the, on the alternates. Um, but for my first 
uh, alternate pick, I think I've got to go with Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the uh, Now, your alternate just matched one of my main picks. Did it really? It did. Well, then I'll let you have it so I can pick another alternate. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works. That, that was easy enough. All right, then uh, my... Uh, my first alternate, I'm going to go with Black Water by the Doobie Brothers. All right, good choice. Did not I, I, don't, that one? I don't have okay. Black Water. All right. Um, yeah, Black Water, it's, it's another one of those songs that, uh, you know, it, it's a callback to Mark Twain on the Mississippi, Mr. Samuel Clemens. Um, and it, the band's guitarist, Patrick Simmons, he wrote the song and he sang lead. And it continued the Louisiana swamp rock feel of earlier Doobie Brothers songs like Toulouse Street and Black Eyed Cajun Woman. Um, he was a fan of Twain. He was a fan of the Delta Blues. And uh, for a time, he, he was in the French Quarter and his fascination with Dixieland music, you know, came into play as well. He combined all of that and the, the song was born. Um, the song is probably best remembered for its melodious acapella section. You know, the lyrics are the, are the song's prevalent hook lines. You know, I'd like to hear some funky Dixieland, pretty mama, come and take me by the hand. Um What's interesting about this one, it, it, I feel like it fits, it qualifies, but it's not a boat. He's actually on a raft. That fits. The, yeah. The opening, we're going to allow rivers and lakes, uh, Yeah, and we have to allow rafts. Correct. Mississippi, she's calling my name. Catfish, you're jumping that paddle wheel bumping. Black water, keep rolling on fast, just the same. Oh, black water, keep on rolling. Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining on me? Oh, black water, keep on rolling. Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining on me? Oh, black water, keep on rolling. Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining on me? This is another one of those examples. It, it was actually the B-side of, of the, the release single. Um, the Doobies never considered that the song would be a potential hit, so they opted to release it as the B-side to Another Park, Another Sunday. And then this time it was a radio station in Roanoke, Virginia. They flipped the record and started playing Blackwater in heavy rotation instead. And then a station in Minneapolis followed suit. Soon enough it was playing across the nation. And its popularity with listeners helped the song to eventually become the band's first number one single. And, so. you know, Doobie Brothers, they're one of those bands because they had multiple vocalists and, and all sorts of different styles. Um, I, I, I venture to guess there are a lot of people out there that know songs that don't know their Doobie Brothers songs. And this is an example for me when I was growing up. I always assumed it was a southern rock band. Um, kind of like a Leonard Skinner type. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I was surprised once I started to learn more about music that uh, that was Doobie Brothers. All right. All right. My next one is Proud Mary. Um, so I need to choose a, an alternate. Okay. So I'm going to go with probably the last band you'd expect uh, to be chosen on a sailing episode, but it is from The Grateful Dead. Interesting. There was an album that came out in 1980 called Go to Heaven. Right. And it was an album that a lot of people didn't buy initially because of the cover. I, I, I remember. On the cover of the record, they're all wearing white suits. 
Yeah, okay, yes, yes. I and the idea okay. was Go to Heaven was a play on like Go to Hell because on the, 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 the cover, the back of the album was supposed to feature uh, them in rags and it was supposed to be like a Go to Heaven, Go to Hell type thing. Okay. For whatever reason, the, the back cover got replaced by a different image and nobody got the joke. And, and they're, like, they're like surrounded in clouds. And so they kind of look like they should be in Saturday Night Fever. I was going to say, yeah, it's the Bee Gees. Yeah. And that's what people <laughs> thought. Because at the time, you know, disco, well, disco about this time was about to, to peter out. But, you know, there was a huge division in this country. If you were a, a disco fan or if you just hated disco, it seemed like there was nobody in between. And a lot of people saw the cover of this record and they just assumed that like a lot of artists, Rolling Stones, Elton John, Rod Stewart, a lot of artists put out an album, a disco album or two. Yes. And they assumed that the Grateful Dead had done the same thing and they were very angry, but it is not a disco album. No, it is not. And um, I, to me, that's unfathomable that anyone would think that the Dead <laughs> right, would, exactly. would, would release a disco album. Right. I am. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've heard the album through, but it's it's been years. It's not one that I own in my collection. I, what, what, this uh, is a song called Lost Sailor. Okay. And it's just a simple little bluesy tune. Of course, it's bluesy, and they're going to, like in Grateful Dead style, they're going to have their structure part of the song, and they're going to take off and jam a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, it's a metaphor, but again, it's one of those that I could chill out if I were actually on a boat. So it's about, you know, it's, it's about a lost sailor that may be a metaphor, but it works, and... Um, yeah, it's 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 another very vibey song. Where's the moon? Your lost sailor. You've been too long to see. So when we do our sequence, I think we're going to have to really be careful and take some of these slower, chill songs and kind of uh, put them in key places in the mixtape. Yes, yeah, and th- there are going to be a lot of them. So, but it's a, it's a sailing mixtape, so one would assume there's going to be some. Oh, absolutely. Ballads. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, don't know if you have this one on your list. Could be. I, I thought this might be another match, um, but my next song was Into the Mystic by Van Morrison. Good song, but I don't have it on my list. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, Into the Mystic, it, it's by Irish singer-songwriter Van Morrison. It, it was on the 1970 album Moondance, which itself, uh, it's it's hands down my favorite album by Van Morrison. Um, you know, the vivid imagery of romantic rapture um, is, is Into the Mystic. Um, it's a cosmic love song. And, and the lyrics are about a spiritual quest, like much of Morrison's work. But musically, the rhythmic thrum of the bass conjures a, the hum of a boat in motion. And, and the, the guitar strums fade into watery notes on the piano to suggest a magical transformation. Um, the lyrics transport the listener. I, you feel as though you're on, the, on board the ship itself. And, um, you know, Morrison has actually said that the song was first titled Into the Misty. Uh, but he felt that the song had an ethereal feeling, so he changed it into... In, to into the mystic and he's right the song is it's delicate it's breezy and the lyrics at times are even otherworldly it, it feels as though you're floating but not on the water it feels like you're floating above the mist i mean it's if not for the shaking tambourine and that inclusion of the fog foghorn you know it, it it would be very easy to escape reality mm-hmm. 
for the wind Also younger than the sun Yeah, the bonnie boat was one As we sail into the mystic Oh, I can now hear the sailors cry Smell the sea and feel the sky Let your soul and spirit fly into the mystic One of the most romantic songs ever recorded. I, I had to include Into the Mystic. So Great choice. All right. I thought that one might be a, might be a match. For one for whatever reason, when you're talking about mystic stuff, I I'm thinking about Celtic stuff, and then I start thinking about mythological stuff. Which reminds me of a song that we could have chosen, Don't Pay the Ferryman from Krista Berg. Oh yes. Okay. So we could have like <laughs> if we want to go mythical, that would have been a good choice too. That would be a fun playlist. It would be. Or, or mixtape. Mixtape. Yeah, yeah, we keep I keep falling mythical, back on play tape. Mythological. <laughs> I keep falling back on on playlists. That's okay. But, We're gonna. Um, we speak both languages. We, we do. Yeah. We're in two worlds. Um, no, great song. Yeah. I didn't even think. Yeah. Another okay. early MTV staple. Absolutely. All right. So, Beach Boys. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is where I had Sloop John B. And then you picked it last week. Yes. Which I'm actually kind of glad because I, I I really wanted the song that I have on my list now. But I was really thinking about our audience and what they expect. And on a sailing playlist, you're going to expect Sloop John B. And I like the song, as we mentioned, in isolation. So I thought I would, you know, include it. So you took care of that for me. Uh, do you know what song I'm going to choose? I'm going to guess that you probably chose Sail on Sailor. I did. Okay. This is one of my, if not favorite, well, one of mine, because there are a few others I it's, like a little bit more. It's on my ultimate list. Favorite yes. late later Beach Boy songs. This is 1973. This is right at the beginning of the Brian Wilson breakdown before he spends three years basically in bed, as we talked about last week. And um, a lot of people here, I feel like it sounds a lot like Chicago of that era because Mike Love, Carl Wilson, Dennis Wilson, Brian Wilson do not sing lead on the track. Correct. Blondie Chaplin, who was at the time you know, playing rhythm guitar and doing some backup vocals, he gave it a shot, and then they, they were going, they couldn't really rely on Brian at this point, and so they were kind of taking his song, and there's a whole story about that, too, because he started writing the song, uh, and his longtime writing partner, Van Dyke Parks, was working on the song with him, and actually, Brian took it to Three Dog Night, and Three Dog Night loved it, so they actually went, this is great, they went into the studio, and they recorded it, and the next morning, they came into the studio, and Brian had taken a razor blade to the tape and had totally chopped up the tape. And he said, nope, nope. He goes, sorry, the only person that can do this is you know, Van Dyke Parks. And stormed out. <laughs> and so Three Dog Knight's sitting there going, okay, well, that's Brian. And so then a few other people have claimed credit. Brian had a few people that were, he was kind of hanging around with some musicians that helped him write as well. So there's really like five or six people, you know, written on, on the, on the credits of the song itself. Well, and Dennis Wilson, he was the originally going to be the lead singer on the song. Yeah. He, Car, um, Carl recorded a version and so did Dennis, yeah. but they liked Blondie Chapman's. Right. Yeah. Dennis, according to, to, you know, what, I, what I've heard or what I've read on the day that he was supposed to record his lead vocal, he had just purchased a new surfboard yeah, he, and, and couldn't, couldn't wait to break it in. So, uh, his impatience got the best of him and he left the session and, um, uh, 
Carl Wilson then asked Blondie Chaplin to sing lead. Yeah, Dennis, I think, yeah. put down one track, and, he, and then he left. So you're right. He went... Right. They wanted him to try a few more, and he went surfing. Yeah, no, his lead vocal is wonderful, though. You know, but I've, I've never... It's one of my favorite Beach Boys songs, but I've never considered it a Beach Boys song because it just... It's, it does sound like Chicago. It does. It really, really does. <laughs> but I love it. It was on my, my on my uh, on my alternates list, and it's on a, an album, one of their later albums that's that's kind of critically renowned now. It kind of has a cult following, yes, Holland, Holland, and it was actually recorded uh, in the in the Netherlands. Uh, but the record company hated the album; they didn't see any commercial. You know, this is this age old story we talk about, and so this song was added to the album at the last minute. Um, as a to start it off and give it some commercial appeal, right. give it a single, and it, it was one of just two songs w- Brian Wilson wrote for the album. The other was the closing track, "Funky Pretty." Yeah, well, right. Correct. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, my next song was "Southern Cross," um, so I'm back to my alternates list, and we've already established that the Edmund Fitzgerald is is coming up on yours. Um, I have. <laughs> As I said, I had a lot of fun with my alternates. Um, But I think I'm going to... Which one do I go with here? Um, Let's... Yeah, why not? Um, I'm going to take you again to to the early 60s. Um, Contemporary of Bobby Darin. So the two songs will actually, I think, go pretty well with one another. Um, I'm going to choose... On a slow boat to China, which of course is a big band uh, staple. And another song that Buffett <laughs> also has, covered. Has covered, yes, right. exactly. Um, but the version I'm going to include is actually from Hollywood pinup, uh, the the beautiful Connie Stevens. Um, on a slow boat to China, the, you know, it was a popular song by Frank um, Lesser. It was first published in 1948. Um, you know, it's it's a well-known pop standard, and it's been recorded by everybody. I mean, right down to and including Miss Piggy, who actually sang it with Roger Moore on an episode of The, the Muppet Show. Um, uh, strangely, I remember that episode. <laughs> right? But uh, my favorite version, yeah, it's by, by Connie Stevens. She was 20 years old at the time. She was a head turner. Um, it was what, on what year was this? 1958. 58, okay. 58. I think I said early 60s, but I, yeah, it was 1958. The album was Conchetta. Um, and, you know, Connie Stevens, she... she really became a star. She was cast as Cricket Blake in a popular television detective show called Hawaiian Eye. Um, she was part of the Beach Blanket movies, right? Or I know, obviously, not Ficello, but I was thinking Connie Stevens was also... She may have, she may I don't have know. I been a, a supporting them, role in, in a, in a, in a, that I don't know. Um, but 
Now she she actually performed this song uh, on a slow boat to China on on Hawaiian Eye, and it was also included as part of the Hawaiian Eye soundtrack album in 1960. Huh. Um, and, you know, her musical career didn't last long. She's probably best remembered for the novelty hit Kooky Kooky Lemme Your Comb, which was a duet with actor Ed Burns. Um, but on a slow boat to China, it, you know, Frank Lesser's daughter, uh, Susan Lesser, she, she authored a biography about her father and called her most remarkable fella. And in it she wrote, um, I'd like to get you on a slow boat to China was a well-known phrase among poker players. Uh, referring to a person who lost steadily and handsomely. My father turned it into a romantic song, placing the title in the mainstream of catchphrases in 1947. Um, the idea is that a, a slow boat to China was the longest trip one could imagine, so Lesser moved the phrase to a more romantic setting. Um, but really, the phrase, uh, with his help, it entered general parlance as an idiom simply referring to anything that takes an extremely long time. Um, but Connie Stevens' version, it, it's it's sprightly and it, it's you know it, it's it has that that head bopping that that uh, you know just the 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 fun uh, vibrant nature of of late fifties early sixties music and um, I, I just I think it's as I said it'll complement Bobby Darren very well. <laughs> On a slow boat to China All to myself alone Get you and keep you in my arms Okay, so my next one, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Okay. Uh, which is Gordon Lightfoot, came out in 1976 from Summertime Dream. And it's basically a retelling with a little bit of literary license uh, of the November 10th, 1975 shipwreck on Lake Superior. Um, Lightfoot himself was a recreational sailor. You mentioned Billy Joel. Yes. He sailed on the Great Lakes. He's, he's Canadian. Correct. And so this was very interesting to him. And, and he creates this, like Daddy's Dear Alexa, he creates it as a folk song. It sounds like an old-time folk song that sailors would have sung. Yes. And it, oh, it's such an amazing tune. Um, I, I'm not going to steal your thunder. No, though. you're not. I don't have a lot to say other than oh, okay. the fact that it, um, like I said, some literary licenses. There were a few... Uh, he, he actually, when he was trying to write the song, he wanted it to be 100% historically accurate. And it was really giving him some writer's block. And so I forget one of his friends or somebody took a look at the lyrics and said, no, you know, you can, you can move around a little bit as long as you're true to the basic story itself. Right. Um, although he did make some revisions later on, not to the actual recording, but when he plays it live. Uh, one, one being, it's it kind of alluded in the original song that the crew might have made a mistake of some sort, and that caused the sinking of the ship. But it was later determined that it wasn't. It was the hurricane 
hurricane in the Great Lakes uh, that caused the sinking, and the crew did nothing wrong. So now when he sings the song, he revises, he created a new line to kind of update that part of it. But, you know, I, I had to throw it out there. We have a lot of ocean songs, and of course we have a river song, and we have um, people on a raft. So why not the Great Lakes? Legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed When the gales of November came early The ship was the pride of the American side Coming back from some mill in Wisconsin As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most With a crew and good captain well seasoned if my count is correct, this is my tenth song. Or have we? Did you already get through your your ten? Uh, my my, I have my tenth to go. Okay. So yeah, you would. So this would I be am, number ten for okay, you. Okay, so I am on number ten, uh, which is of course a pirate looks at forty. Ah, I was right. You Look were at that. Ding, right. Ding, 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 yes. Ding. Um, yeah, pirate looks at forty. Um, you know, uh, casual fans, I think, probably believe the song is uh, autobiographical, but but. Um, you know, without question, Buffett has shared many swashbuckling tales over the course of his career. But um, he was only 27 years old when he when the song was released. Wait, stop a second. Swashbuckling. You had to get that in there. That, I did. We can't yes. do a sailing episode without the word swashbuckling. swashbuckling. Yeah, yeah, okay, yes, keep, yes. continue. Um, yeah, he was he was 27 years old when, when the song was released, and it, it, it isn't about him at all. Um, he wrote it about Phil Clark uh, at the chart room, um, where Buffett first performed when he moved to Key West. Um the song is a bittersweet confession of, of of Clark of a of of Clark's modern day piracy, uh, described in various accounts as a smuggler, a mercenary, a drug runner, an adventurer. Um, Buffett got to know him and wrote the song based on their conversations. Um, Clark was approaching forty, and he wasn't sure his profession would be around much longer. Uh, actually, the profession probably had never been around. Uh, quite honestly, um, the song's featured on Buffett's nineteen seventy four album A One A. Um, and Great was, album, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. It, it was released as a single with Presence to Send You as its B-side. Um, for radio play, the song was shortened by deleting the fourth verse uh, for the single release. And, you know, the, the song never cracked the the top top 10 or, or even the top 100, really. Um, most of Buffett's songs have not charted well. Um, but it, it's, it's, I think, his most beautiful song. Um, he always performs it... Um, Live, I don't think he's ever not performed Pirate Looks at 40. It's considered to be one of the, the big eight that he constantly performs uh, live. And usually in the second set, usually in the second half of the concert. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, if you're going to do a, a sailing, um, a sailing mixtape, I, I think you have to include... A pirate looks at 40. Mother, mother ocean, I've heard you call. Wanted to sail upon your waters, 
Since I was three feet tall You've seen it all You've seen it all Watch the man who rode you Switch from sails to steam And in your belly you Treasures you have ever seen Most of them dream Most of them dream Yes, I am a pirate Two hundred years too late The cannons don't thunder There's nothing to plunder I'm an over forty victim of fate Arriving too it is the song that got me into Buffett, um, not to spend a lot of time talking about how I got into Jimmy Buffett, but a mutual friend of ours was a fan in high school and kind of introduced us all to him. And, you know, as much as I'm not a country fan now, I was definitely not a country fan back then. And I always kind of considered him a country artist. And as a lover of the ocean and lover of the East Coast um, and just sitting by the water, when I heard Pirate Looks at 40, I said, ah, yes, I know I know that. I can relate to this. I know how he feels. And so I explored the rest of his catalog, and I was immediately hooked. Yeah, and it's, oh, it's just, it's fantastic. I, I, if I'm going to make a Buffett, or if I'm going to make a mixtape of, of, of a summer theme, as I think I said this at, at, when we did our beach, uh, our stand and surf episode, it, it Pirate Looks at 40 is always going to make a, uh, you know, it's always going to be represented. It's always going to make an appearance, um, and the song it begins with with a harmonica that effectively carries the weight of the the narrator's wistful lament. I mean, it's just, and and then it becomes more playful when Buffett begins to sing. You know, as he unabashedly delivers the lines with a, a playful air. But um, no, Phil Clark's bar of choice in Key West was the Full Moon Saloon, and and he has since passed. Uh, when he died. Um, some of his ashes were actually brought to the saloon where they stayed above the cash register until mm. it closed in 1993. In a nod to the lasting power of the song, Buffett titled his 1998 autobiography A Pirate Looks at 50. Yes, yes. So mm-hmm. um, there you have it. There's my my tenth My song. wife finally read Where is Joe Merchant um, this summer after I've been... Oh, really? After 25 years or so of, of asking her to read it. She loved it. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, fun. It's, it's a great book. It's a great book. Great novel. And he also has a collection of short stories, Tales from Margaritaville as yes. well. Yes, yeah. All right, so for my 10th pick, um, I can't believe you didn't pick this one. Hmm. Maybe it's on your alternate list. It's a Beatles tune. If we, if, if we have sailboats and rafts, we have to have a submarine. I thought long and hard about it. but And I even asked my wife. I, I, I asked Gail, I said, you know, does a submarine float? Because that, that was my, my, my criteria. You right. had to float. And... Um, we had this long discussion, the entire family, the boys, uh, you know, chipped in. We, we finally uh, agreed that uh, it's propelled and it's submerged. When it's and, submerged. And therefore... When it's submerged, when but it's, yes. when it comes to the surface, it's floating at the surface. Oh, that, that's, that is true. No, I did. I thought long and hard about it, and I just, I, I, I don't know, I just felt that it didn't fit the criteria that I, as I had imagined. Right. Well, it. and so, I'm, I'm down to... <laughs> I'm down to a couple alternates. So it's either this or a Rod Stewart song. Oh, I'm I'm by no means. Go for <laughs> and, it. And, and as much as I mean, I, I don't like Rod Stewart much at all. He has a, he has a song that's called Sailing. 
Um, that yes. wasn't big over in, in the United States, but um, w- was big internationally. And it's a great song. Um, it's another vibey kind of song. And yeah. so I, I, I kind of want to mix up the mixtape a little bit. No. Because we have a lot Beatles. of yeah. ballads. So I thought this would be a fun one. The town where I was born. Another one that I put on my kids' mix yep. CDs as, as yep. uh, a parent when they were young. Hey, he lived a man who sailed the seas. So, yeah, go for it. Came out in 66. Uh, and some people consider uh, Revolver to be the greatest rock album of all time, not just the, the greatest Beatles album but it really was that album you can argue for Sgt. Pepper or Rubber Soul but it was that album that really transported them from kind of the early Beatles sound into the the new Beatles sound yes and it's a very eclectic album itself I mean every single song is kind of its own little thing in the town where I was born lived a man who sailed to sea and he told us of his life in the land of submarines So we sailed on to the sun Till we found the sea of green And we lived beneath the waves In our yellow submarine We all live in a yellow submarine Yellow submarine Yellow This is one that Lennon and McCartney actually worked on together. You know, even though everything was credited Lennon and McCartney, a lot of times they wrote, you know, completely separately. This is one they worked on together. Um, it was intended to be a nonsensical kid song from the very start. But of course, when it came out, everybody read into it, right? Everybody wanted to say it had social or political meanings or drug references. Yes. And it is simply a nonsensical song for kids. That's all it is. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is, folks. See, I'm not reading too much into this one. And what I love about the, the recording of this song, that's a great story, uh, a few of the anecdotes, the sound effects that are used. They actually went through the cupboards, like in the kitchen and the storage area of Abbey Road Studio, and just found all sorts of dif- different things mm-hmm. that they used. And all those sound effects were just kind of impromptu items on the set. Yeah, all improvised. Yeah. John, when he recorded uh, the sound uh, of the captain, he uses a tin can that he, he speaks through. And there's one part where the captain speaks and, and then Ringo responds and he's far away. That's because he actually steps out of the studio into the hallway and he yells from the hallway. And so they just use practical effects. And it worked. And it works great. Yeah. What a great track. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's silly and nonsensical and probably some Beatles snobs would roll their eyes at it. But it, it's very much a Beatles song. And, and let's not forget the animated uh, Oh, yes. Film, and it inspired you know. the animated film as well. Um, you know, for years I did not buy the soundtrack to Yellow Submarine. Well, you have to buy it just for Hey Bulldog. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, you know, for whatever reason, I just never got uh, around to buying it. I, I had all their studio albums, but not the soundtrack. And then, it, it, it like a, you know, one day the, the realization, the epiphany came that I, I was missing one of their their huge hits. And yeah, for Hey Bulldog, I had to go out and buy the buy the CD, which I had not previously added to my collection. Um, but no, it yells, it's fun. George, George Martin composed most of the the score. Is that yes. correct? Okay, yes. yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's it's it, it is hands down one of the one of the one of you know my favorite Beatles tunes. It's just fun and it's catchy. It is kid friendly. Um, but in fact, I, in much the same vein, one of my songs next week. Uh, also, a Ringo led number. Oh, well, I have that on my list too. Now, thank you. I have to change it. Or I could change mine. 
Well, I was going to change to a different Beatles song, but then we'll have a Beatles face-off. That might be fun. That might be fun. Because there are um, about 20 Beatles animal true. songs. Yeah. Um, but no, I, you know, I, I just, Ringo, uh, they, they, I always felt bad for Ringo. He, they, they never gave him, well, they didn't really give George a lot of opportunity to shine either there until the end. But Yeah, um, and arguably, the George's contributions near the end were just as strong or stronger, stronger than, yeah, than Lennon McCartney. Absolutely. Um, no, I just, I love the song, and I did think about it, but it, it, it was. It was an entire family discussion about whether or not a well, submarine flew. I thought of that for a second, so, and I'm like, well, when it's, when it, comes to the surface and you know it, i've seen submarines in the surface and they're definitely yeah. no, floating you, there you so. win yeah it's not it's you're right i mean a sailboat if you're in the strict sense is propelled by the wind but we also have rafts on here and paddle boats, and paddle boats. And, yes. so we're, if we're going to expand Very different true. nautical vehicles and then i think yeah. we should include a submarine and freighters yeah, freighters Fitzgerald, right? yeah. so no i absolutely right. my my last pick um this, yeah, I, I talked about the Rod Stewart song, and again, we'll put it on the alternate song. It's it's a fine song. I'm just, you know, it's a lot like the other songs. It's very similar to, I think, the John Prine and the Grateful Dead. They're just kind of vibey songs. Um, we, we joked, and we're a PG pod, PG-13. You corrected <laughs> me last time. We're a PG-13 podcast, and so we, we really couldn't put on I'm on a Boat, which if you are a fan of Saturday Night Live or The Lonely Island, uh, it was a digital short back in 2009 with Andy Samberg and the rest of the crew. And T-Pain featured T-Pain. And it's basically just a, a parody of a lot of the hip-hop you know, videos at the time. Right. And it's, it's hilarious, but, you know, it's pretty vulgar, okay? So we didn't choose it. However, I did find a clean version that I'll put on the alternates list. Okay. So if you haven't heard it, it's, if you really, you should see the YouTube video. You should actually watch the digital short. Uh, itself, but I, I for the first time ever I kind of called an audible a little bit ago with the Krista Berg song. I think I'm going to add that. That's going to be my choice. No, absolutely. I'm going to go with 1982's "Don't Pay the Ferryman." It's a great choice. Yeah, I and you're right. I mean that, that it was an MTV staple. I mean it's it kind of creeped me out as a kid if oh, I remember correctly. Well, it's been yeah. a while since I've seen the video, but probably since 1982. But <laughs> it, but really, it's 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 just it, there's not a lot to say about it other than the fact that it's the river sticks and. Uh, all of those mythological elements that he brings into it. Correct. It's kind of a creepy song. Uh, if it is a metaphor, I have no idea what the metaphor is. It probably is. I, I'm not going to read too much into it. It's just a ferryman. So there. And when the rain came down, he heard a wild dog howl. Though our voices in the night. Don't do it. Voices out of sight. Don't do it. Too many men have failed before. So, um, selling Rod Stewart, that was the only alternate that you didn't get to? Correct. Or, okay. That's correct. Well, um, my remaining alternates, as I said, I had I had a little bit of fun. Um, and I was real tempted for the two that I, I you know, when I went to my alternates list to, to, to include some of these. But I need to bring them up. I need to make mention so they appear on the alternates list. The first one, and it was the first alternate that I listed, um, was Yoho, A Pirate's Life for Me. Oh, the uh, Disney. Yeah, Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I, you know, how can you not? It's 
it remains one of Disney's most popular attractions. You know, right first opened in '67, it, it inspired the the series of films, the Johnny Depp movies. Um, the music was written by George Burns with with lyrics by Xavier Intensio and Bruins. He he wrote several Disney theme songs uh, and scores, including The Jungle Book, Sleeping Beauty, Ballad of Davy Crockett. But we are a PG thirteen audience, I and mean, this. This is what Disney does so well. Um, you know, after after the, the pirates confess to, to several crimes, including pillaging, plundering, extorting, pilfering, and marauding, the final verse, I mean, it's a testament to, to Disney's family-friendly fare. You know, yo-ho, yo-ho, pirates lay for me, where beggars and blighters ne'er-do-well cards drag up me hearties, yo-ho, I but we're loved by our mommies and dads. <laughs> drag up me hearties, yo-ho. So there you have it, pirates singing about mom and mom and dad and, and you know their love for their uh you know their deviant child um i also had ride captain ride which is a song by blues image almost went with that one when, when i was uh it was between that and black water um it's just a, a funky it was a one-hit wonder by blues image um from 1970 uh and yeah, it, it's really interesting uh, because the the first line is 73 men sailed up from the San Francisco Bay. Um, a common but false interpretation of that song is that it's about Sir Francis Drake's voyage of the west coast of America because Drake did sail once with 73 sailors um, and he sailed in the vicinity of San Francisco. Um, but the, the actual lyric, it's just really interesting. The song was inspired by the number of keys on the Rhodes electric piano. Um, when writing the song, uh, Panera, the pianist, he needed a first word and he counted the piano keys, which numbered 73, and then he completed that first line of the song. Um, the Rhodes piano, it, it really had not been used. It, this was one of the first songs to use the Rhodes piano, but other songs would follow. Um, other songs that feature it would, would, be, would include Just the Way You Are by Billy Joel, Peg by Steely Dan, and You're the Sunshine of My Life by Stevie Wonder. Um, I had Rock the Boat by the Hughes Corporation. Well, I that was on my list, and I love that song, and I thought, boy, that'd be great to really get the mix going. Yeah. But again, that was so much of a metaphor. Oh, yeah, it's all about... Because yeah. there was no ex- there's no person actually on a boat. That's Correct. why it disqualified it for me. Exactly, and that's why I went to the alternate They're slide. using it only as a metaphor, not a, not a person on the boat. There weren't two meanings. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yes, um, but I, I did put it on the alternate list because I, it is credited as the first... And, now we know who to blame. It's credited as, uh, credited as the first uh, disco song. Really? Very uh, Well, not the first disco song. The first disco song to hit number one. Okay, okay. Um, was, was Rock the Boat. I guess I don't even consider that disco. I consider it more like a soul. Though, yeah, I, I, I agreed. There's no, no wah pedal there. Um, and then I also had uh, The Ballad of Gilligan's Isle. <laughs> TV themes. That's got to be an episode. Yeah, we, up. we need. I I can't wait to do a TV themes. But I the ballad. Interestingly, um, yeah, it, the the original uh, theme song for the show was was a was a uh, a calypso tune that was actually uh, composed and conducted by John Williams. Oh, really? From you know Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jaws. Right. Um, in fact, Williams is, is credited uh, as the composer of all the incidental music. Was he like fifteen show. at the time? I, I don't know, uh, but yeah, that first season, Gosh, 64 been alive to 65, forever. Yeah, John Williams. He he did all the incidental music, um, but you know, once once they they chose to, to change um, to to. The, the theme we all know and most people agree that it's probably the most recognized TV theme in television history um, I think the greatest American hero might have something to say about that I, 
I don't know. I, I well, we'll see. We'll say that for another show. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, Ballad of Gilligan's Isle. And then my last uh, alternate was Orinoco Flow by Enya. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you know what's funny? Sail away. Before sail you say away, that, I thought yeah. it would be fun if we always had like a song the head of time that we promised not to put on the list. Like Green, Lee, Greenwood's God Bless the USA, we, we read. And we basically agreed Born in the USA from, from... Correct. So that was one I was going to say, and I forgot that we would have no sailing songs from Enya, <laughs> but we're not anyway, so no, there no, we go. It, it was the last of my alternates, and it was going to be the last of my alternates, but, you know, it's so... So self-referential and, and so ingrained now within popular culture that I just, I felt we at least had to address the song. But what we still have to do, we have to sequence yep. and we have to title the episode and then we're going to try something new with Since you. we have the as, time, as close. We'll, we'll definitely try this. Um, but um, yeah, we will be back right after this. All right, and we're back just like that. We saved you having to listen to us deliberate and and just the blood, sweat, and tears that it takes to come up with the perfect sequence. And we had a few tricky ones. Don't don't pay the ferryman yeah. was a little bit tricky. But I think we actually, you know it's a good playlist, Alan, when when you are excited. Like, I want to listen to this playlist I, I do now. too. I'm excited to listen to it. It's, it's another one that's very eclectic, and it's just... Uh, Oh, the songs are so good. I'm, I'm going um, through a phase right now. I don't know if you've ever had that. It usually happens when I've been drinking, but I'm going through a phase when I want to listen to everything. Like sometimes there's nothing I want to listen to, and I feel like there's nothing in the world. But before you came over today, I'm just, just pulling stuff out. I want to listen to this and this and this, and there's not enough time in, in the day to listen to all this music. So right now I'm in a real listening mood. Yep. No, I, I'm right there with you. Um, this podcast is really, <clears throat> it's, it's brought back a flood of me- it's flooded me with with memories, but it's it's also really encouraged me to sit down and pull out some vinyl that I haven't played in a very long time. We'll tell them what we have uh, our, as far our, as our sequence goes for well, our mixtape. All right, our sailing mixtape. Side A, sailing mixtape. Side A. We begin with "Come Sail Away" by Styx, and then move into "Brandy, You're a Fine Girl" by Looking Glass, "The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald" by Gordon Lightfoot, "The Down Easter Alexa" by Billy Joel. The Mariner's Revenge Song by the Decemberists, Yellow Submarine by the Beatles, Sail on Sailor by the Beach Boys, Lost Sailor by the Grateful Dead, Blackwater by the Doobie Brothers, and Side A ends with Don't Pay the Ferryman by Krista Berg. Side B, we begin with Proud Mary, and the moment you've been waiting for, we chose, we are going to go with Ike and Tina Turner's version of the song. But we are going to put the other two on the we alternates are, playlist yeah. on Spotify. Make sure you listen to that Solomon Burke version. Oh, yeah. Because it's I, very soulful, and it's got a nice little guitar lick in there. Yeah. Good stuff. We, um, you know, while, while figuring out sequence, we listened to the music, and, and no, it is, I, I, I had never heard that version before, and it was, it was fantastic. Um, but we are going to go with Ike and Tina. Um, and then immediately after Proud Mary, we go into Beyond the Sea. That was a hard one to sequence because of the big band, uh, you know, feel of the song. But we're going to go into Beyond the Sea by Bobby Darin, into On a Slow Boat to China by Connie Stevens. So we're going to have about a five-minute uh, big band block there yeah, in the mixtape. Yeah. Um, then Jamaica Farewell, which is not that far removed. It's Calypso, of course, but uh, Harry Belafonte. Sailing by Christopher Cross. Sailing Around by John Prine. Into Mutineer by Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. Into the Mystic by Van Morrison. Southern Cross by Crosby Stills and Nash. And we end this week's mixtape with A Pirate Looks at 40 
by Jimmy Buffett. That's a good list. It's a very good yeah, list. Yeah. I'm excited for this one. Um, and we are going to title it. Uh, you know, it's becoming a running gag. Honestly. <laughs> we forget to title. We, we forget to title our episodes very nearly every time when we we realize titling this episode that we failed to do so last week. So and we've been incon- inconsistent. I don't know if it's a bad thing. Some of the times we title a song that doesn't even appear on the playlist. I don't correct. know if that confuses people. It might. I'm afraid it might turn people off. I, I don't know if like. If people looked, our Father's Day episode is the least listened to. And I don't know if it's because people said, oh, no, it's that adult contemporary song from Eric Clapton. I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But. Um, I think, well, Father's Day, I think, is just a very specialized Yes, it is. Playlist. I mean, the mixtape would be... And know, our Sand and Surf, by the way, is by far the most popular. Yeah, it's I think... out ahead. Well, and I always figured... Well, and this one, I think... And Road Trip is close behind it. Yeah, I think this one will be another popular one. The summer, summer mixtapes, I mean, they've always been... You know, feel good, and and I think it's they're always going to peak interest. Um, but um, yeah, we we did title last week's episode "Our House" um, because, of course, we had not one but two songs by that call title. It. So we kind of had to call it. Yeah, that. <laughs> we had Mad, uh, Madness and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. So you know, made sense to to go with "Our House" for the title. But this week, Dave, tell them what we're titling this week's episode. We are titling it "Come Sail Away." All right. Which uh, hopefully people will. I, I have yet to meet anyone that doesn't like that song. So they'll see the title and think of the stick song and want to listen to it, hopefully. I've actually, you know, some of the feedback I've gotten by, by uh, good friends that, that have listened to it and coworkers and the like, they've. A lot of them have told us that they love our chemistry, that, you know, we get along well and we're really knowledgeable. So there, there is, I hope, um, you know, a, a contingent, a. a a growing audience that, that appreciates what we're doing. We need to get the, the word out, and, and that's the thing. So if you, if you are, even if you're a friend or family or if you're a complete stranger out there, and I know there are complete strangers out there because we can see the states and the countries uh, where people are listening to us, and we don't know anybody in those states and countries. So that's very encouraging, and we're getting some good fe- feedback too from, from people that aren't our friends and family. So if you really do enjoy the show and you, you tune in weekly, um, tell other people that you know that are also music fans or Gen Xers that are music fans or people that just like to hear commentary about music in general, uh, tell them about our show and, and maybe spread the word because I think that that's probably the best way to, to build our audience. Correct. Um, and, and you know, this week we're we're going to we're going to try something new, something fun. Um, I don't know what we're going to call this. Uh, the mixtape showdown. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we uh, we'll have to come up with, with something creative, but it's just something that that Dave and I uh, thought of. Um, each week, uh, if if it goes as planned, uh, we're each going to prepare a scenario that we will share with uh, one another. And once the scenario has been uh, given um, the you know I'll come up with a scenario and Dave will be put on the spot he'll have to come up with a song that he would play at that moment and likewise he'll have a scenario for me and I will choose a song uh, that would be fitting for the scenario he has chosen so what we'll see I don't know we just thought it might be kind of quirky something different to end the episode um, you want to go first or sure I'll go first all right this is going to test your memory as well. Oh, boy. Okay. Do you remember what our actual senior prom song was? No. 
What? Um, and and I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I know it was either junior or senior prom. I think Hold On to the Night, the rich, I think it was everybody's late 80s. Right. We, we graduated in 91, so late 80s, early 90s. Um, Hold On to the Night, I think, was one of ours. But I don't know if it was the senior I, one. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I do not remember. Okay, well, that's not the question. I, the question is, <laughs> what song do you wish was our senior prom song? Oh, boy. Um, I would say This Is The Time by Billy Joel. Yeah, um, that's, that fits. I, I think it's it's fitting. I, of course, it's a romantic number, but but just that or, or very in much the same vein, uh, These Are Days by 10,000 Maniacs. Just, just something that feels reflective and, you know, uh, in the moment is, is you know, the, the, the realization that this is something special and you need to hold on to it. I, I think I would go, this is the time. Yeah, that's good. Um, but, you know, of course, it was never fashionable to like Billy Joel. <laughs> we read an article this week. Um, we were exploring the dad rock topic, and we're going to talk about it on a later episode. But, yeah, uh, some Gen, Gen Zer that I said should get off my lawn uh, <laughs> was writing about dad rock and there's a throwaway line where he said, well, of course it's never, it was never fashionable to like Billy Joel. So either that's true and we're just in our own little bubble or that's not true. And he's just a little punk. But anyway, uh, well, the, the, the man has not had a new album since 93 and he still sells out the garden yes. monthly. So well, remember I, like, like in 1980, like Joel would have like these, this is before social media, but he would have these feuds with the press because they would review his music and oh, yeah. you know all the music snobs. Like we didn't have Pitchfork back then, but you know the equivalent of Pitchfork. Well, and that's how he came up with his ending line that he that he don't take any bleep from anybody. Yes, yes. yes. And so I think he would probably feel the same way about this <laughs> this Gen Zers comment. Yes. Um, all right. Here yeah. is here is yours. You inadvertently saved the life of a mafia crime boss. He's invited you to his private club as a show of gratitude. You hop out of the cab a few blocks early to walk the rest of the way. What song plays in the background? Um, am I playing it for the for the mob boss? No, I, th- I, I imagine it more cinematic. You're, you're you know, you're, oh. it's, it's scoring. Then I have to go with the second half of Layla. Ooh, that's good. Because that's the ending of Goodfellas. That's very good. So yeah. if I'm going to meet this mob boss, yeah, that's what I'm picking. Okay. No, I like that. It's a great, it's a great, like, you know, yeah. kind of instrumental vibe song. I've said vibe song now, like it really is. 50 times on this episode, but yeah, yeah. it would be. <laughs> no, that, that, that's great. Okay. Um, we'll have to come up with a creative uh, name for this little segment, this, this soft beat uh, aside. But yeah, we, we just thought it'd be fun to, to challenge one another with, with, you know, a scenario for, you know. On the record or, or for the it's record. It's got to be more exciting than us deciding what sequence we yeah. want the songs. Well, and, you know, as we come up with themes, too, each week, you know, we're hoping that sometimes scenarios may, you know, then evolve into new ideas and, and the like. If you have a scenario that you would like to... Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. mail them in if you have a question for us. Yeah, uh, you know, a song, you, you want to know what song is playing in the background for whatever, you know, Whatever you can think or, or imagine. We'll, we'll, prob- we'll promise we won't think of it ahead of time. Like if you put in the subject line on the email, like put it in the email, which is um, genxmixtapepodcast at gmail.com and just put in the subject line uh, scenario. Yeah. And if good. we see scenario in the subject line, we will not read it until we're on, on you know, recording the broadcast and then we will. Yeah. I, I, it might be a answer. lot more fun to, to answer your yeah, questions. Um, okay. Well, we have to, to give props here. Uh, we actually, we have our first sponsor. Um, and, you know, it, it's 
I, we're already widening our audience. I feel we like have, NPR now. Sponsorship. Sponsor. Yeah. I, um, this episode, folks, was sponsored by Jay Callahan Painting, uh, serving the greater Cleveland area. And we are uh, very appreciative of um, the sponsorship coming from Jay Callahan Painting. Yes, thank you very, very much. Um, please, if, if uh, you're looking to have your house painted inside or out, uh, do get a hold of Jay Callahan Painting. Uh, they will do an amazing job. Um, will, they, will they come all the way down here oh, to oh, yes. Star County? Yeah, they. All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that. Well, shoot, I had my house painted last year. I wish I would have known that. I yeah. would have hired them. Uh, in fact, we've we've had uh, had them come down a, a few times, and I, I I know. Yeah, they they absolutely come out of uh, Cleveland. So, um, Jay Callahan Painting again. Uh, this episode sponsored by them, and please do uh, get in contact if you're looking for uh, you know. Uh, a painting paint job um all right and with that uh next week our theme is going to be animals Animals. yes animals Animals. um and you know you often talk about the cds you made for your kids when they were younger i did the same thing i made cds for my kids all of the time and choosing the songs for next week's uh mixtape it felt like i was doing it all over again so many of those songs yes so many of those songs actually made their way onto the the mixes that I would make for my kids. But next week, animals. So, you know, looking forward to that. It might be a little, well, it will be a little different from previous episodes because I imagine there'll be a lot of novelty. uh, Or or maybe, maybe not. Um, But but I would guess there there would probably be a bit of novelty to the episode, uh, you know, from the novelty genre. Um, Regardless, that's, that's where we... I don't think I have any novelty on mine. You don't? Really? Unless you consider, we already talked about Octopus's Garden. We right. both have it on our list. We so. do, yeah. I, unless you consider that novelty, that's probably the most novelty that I have. Okay. Well, good. Then I'll like, I'll, like Wooly Bully, is that what you're thinking? Like that well, type of novelty? That t- Well, yeah. Um, yes and no. Um, well, we'll talk about it yeah, next week. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> when we're on the show. So. Um, yeah. Uh, Wooly Bully, I don't know that Wooly Bully is about an animal. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm just trying to think of novelty songs. Um, that's the first one that came to mind. Yeah. I, uh, well, it'll be an interesting mix. I, I some of mine. The one-eyed, one-horned, giant purple people. That's, that's fly, not, flying purple. Can yeah, they be mythological? <laughs> can they be mythological? Oh, uh, one of mine is. Really? I have off an, the magic I dragon probably, but an, I'm just guessing. <gasps> no, but, but, I, but it's now on my alternates list. <laughs> there okay. we go. Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> all right, all right, um, all right, folks. So that is our sailing episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, tune in next week for animals again a shout out and a thank you to our sponsor Jake Callahan painting like us on social media please and give us reviews on iTunes please thank you I'm done begging all right all right hot funk cool punk even if it's old junk another mix of memories awaits next Sunday but for now press pause and lift the needle and then hit eject because another week is over but we will see you on the flip side <laughs>